Welcome to the Creative Industry Insight Podcast, a podcast that looks at various roles in the creative world. I'm your host, Bobby. Today's guest, editor Tony Kearns, joins us to talk about their work on the Black Mirror episode, Joan is Awful. Please be warned, there are heavy spoilers in this episode. So sit back and relax as we jump into the conversation with Tony. Hi, Tony. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome, Rob. Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited to jump into the Black Mirror episode, Joan is Awful, which has just come out on Netflix. What can I say about the episode? I think it's very smart in the way that the story has been told. I'm excited to sort of jump into the sort of editing process of it all, just because there seems to be layers and layers um, involved in the show itself. Just to sort of start from the beginning how did the project come about because you do have a history of working on black mirror you worked on the famous uh, black mirror bandersnatch episode metalhead and also rachel jack and ashley too was it a case of just getting the phone call and then just saying yeah i'm there not quite um but i have absolutely mentioned i have an excellent track record with um with the series and i did have to i had this it's almost actually coming up to almost exactly a year ago i had a zoom interview with the with the director just to sort of get get to know her and to uh, say hello and to make sure she was happy about having me on board but but i i was paid a kind of an interesting slight i might consider it slightly backhanded compliment by charlie burker when he said when i was working on it on it on jonah's awful he said that if if he has an episode now if he now has an episode that's a head wrecker of a story he'll get me to edit it so I said, well, thank you, Charlie. I appreciate it. But I would like a simple, simple, straightforward story as well <laughs> once in a while. So, yeah, so I think, that, you know, I'm on, I'm on the, um, I'm on the, the sort of radar as it were. And, and I think with, with the sort of the, the episodes as you've outlined, particularly Bandersnatch, it's, um, I've proved my ability to, to deal with, a, with very, very complex storytelling. Yeah, I think with um, Bandersnatch having that sort of uh, having the interactive settings and as an audience member being able to choose which way you can go feels like a massive, uh, excuse my language, head fuck as an editor to know which bit goes where. And then uh, I'm sure we can probably dive into loads about that, but I think there's probably some similarities with Joan is Awful as well. There is, um, in the sense that it's about juggling plates. I mean, Joan is awful. Um, I mean, you're right. It is. It, it, it was a head fuck for everybody, Bandersnatch. But also, I, as I said at the time, I said anything after this is going to be a piece of piss. So, I mean, in the sense that Joan is awful was is a complicated story, and it gets more and more complicated. And you, but the interesting thing and the funny thing is, you can see the the actors, the characters getting confused, especially the scene in the um in the computer room when. Beppe is explaining who who was who and the different levels of Joan and uh, the Joan, you know, which one, one is which, and and it's playing with that. So it's it's so it's a, it's it's a very uh, it is a complicated story. There's a two there's two or three things in parallel. It was balancing the um, the trick was or the thing was I mean the script was there and it was shot really well. Director Ali Panku did a fantastic job and it was um, great performances. I mean it was interesting that like I was. Um, the director of photography was a woman. The director was a woman, and you know, male, a main cast were were women. 
and it's kind of it would I think what's called a Bechdel test it would pass like flying colors so um they were all it was all I mean terrific sensibility and the the it was a comedy script so the the trick was to make sure that it felt cohesive that when the the two levels of the Joan characters for most of the episode were ex- being experienced by the viewer that it would be it would feel coherent and cohesive and also funny and kind of slightly terrifying in terms of the taking of fabrication of somebody's life and they see it in front of them and how that you know they unravel so that was that was the sort of i suppose the trickiest aspect of the was was balancing and making making especially the first scene when they first see the Sam uh, Salma Hayek Joan uh, when she's watching it with her her boyfriend Chris uh, when Annie Murphy's uh, Joan is watching it that it to, to, to get in to get that balance of her mounting horror his kind of puzzlement and you see get well it is actually what she's we've just seen this woman's life previous day but on a much more horrible level. <laughs> so that was that was the sort of um I suppose the the tricky element. But it 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 came together, I think, relatively well in terms of the edit, in terms of the, I mean the tricky thing with technically was just getting the screens right, choosing the, the shot where you what angle you'd see the TV or whether you'd you'd see them in front of it and and making you know making sure that, that flowed rather than it being a series of gratuitous shots of the TV. So it felt like it was part of the the fabric of the scene. What I'm curious about as well, because when you get the script at first, before you see any dailies and start assembling a cut, do you go through the script and start breaking down bits where, okay, this is world number one, this is world number two, this is world number three, and then start planning out where each bit's going to be cut and how you're going to play out each scene? No, I mean, I, I mean, for me, the script was a linear script, and it had the different levels, but it was all happening in real time, in a really kind of linear way. The plot was developing, and uh, and it sort of had an A, B, C, D. This we start here, we keep going, and then we go there. And how you know? So I was really, I really enjoyed reading the script. And it was laugh out loud moments, and I was sort of the se- the sense of the absurdity of it was what. So well, and I could see it in my head, but I obviously wasn't going to presume about necessarily about how it was going to be cut because I, I I like to keep that till I, I'm looking at the rushes and that to keep that mystery you know so that sort of sense of you know I'm not going to make any pre pre presumptions or presuppositions here I'll just see what, what's in front of me and then uh, interpret that that the, the you know the actual footage so the script I mean, the script was great it was very useful it's very good you gave me talking points to talk when I was talking to Ali in the interview and uh, to sort of respond to sort of feel, you know, make her feel comfortable that I understood where, what things that she would want to get out of the, um, uh, you know, the script. And um, from her point of view, you know, just, just to sort of reassure. And it's what I always do with a director, talking to directors. I just want to make reassure them that I'm, I'm not going to be going off half cocked on a, on a completely random direction that I'm, I'm kind of uh, get the, uh, as much as I can from a script, get the spirit of the, of the, of the piece. And the sort of the ethos or the buzz or the essence. Uh, so then I'm when I'm, I you know read the script and got you know have an idea what's going on and it's kind of like I said about it's it's relative for me maybe perhaps after the experience of Bandersnatch, it's relatively straight straightforward because of the, I have that experience of dealing with a completely mad, multi-dimensional 
story <laughs> and uh, editing in that one. So, so uh, yeah, I kind of, I, you know, I got it straight away and I really, you know, just really excited because about it, because it's, it's, it's a, it's a crazy script and it's, it's a very out and out comedy. And I'm, I've always been a fan of Charlie Brooker's comedy writing for years with like his, his columns and his, um, his uh, TV, fake TV listings. And so that sort of, uh, you know, I felt, I felt really privileged to be involved in something that Charlie had written that was a comedy, albeit the dystopian tech element, but it's kind of more of a satire than a um, something that leaves you feel feeling horrible and bereft of any hope. So, um, yeah. So, um, and then once I got into the edit room and I was cutting the, the, the you know, each, each day's rushes, it just kind of built up, built up, built up from, from there, you know? And I was, I think they shot the, they did shoot the uh, earlier, the, the house watching the TV stuff, that scene where they, where they first see the um, Jonas Awful on Streamberry, they filmed that quite early. So I'd actually had all that ready to kind of start playing with. So that was good to get that in, 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 in the uh, editing side of things early. So I would agree with you as well about Charlie Brooker and the way that he sort of his comedy very British and very dry. But I think if you're like I find that stuff like quite entertaining and funny. And I think this is one of the more, even though it has like a more vague, not necessarily like morbid sort of subject matter, but it's more of a like a um, something that's sort of happening now in terms of how people are using AI to create certain things so with the subject matter of like them doing levels upon levels of uh, the same story but with just different actors it's just it's so sort of quaint and perfect timing but on top of that it's like the humor sprinkled in such as the oh yeah did you not read the t's and c's in the lawyer office mm. is the stuff that kind of makes you laugh as well because how many people actually do read all the t's and c's and then just says yeah signed done bye yeah, it's, it's kind of something that people are. It, it's 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 making a point, but it's also taking the Mickey because it's you know nobody has terms and conditions as owners as that. But it reminds me of there's a there was an artist I've forgotten his name, but I read a quote that he said in 1973, "If something's free, you are the product," and that's quite quite um, prescient. That was like 50 years ago. This guy said it, and uh, and it's like that applies to Facebook, Google, Amazon, or you know whatever these things that Alexa. If it doesn't cost anything. You're the product, and this is sort of a the, the 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 whole thing about the fact that this streaming company, remarkably similar to Netflix, which I thought was terrific, like you know, basically biting the hand of feeds, and um, in a very sort of cheeky kind of way, and they went for it. They were like, you know, that um, Netflix went for it, and you knew that being the butt of that, and but also you know, it it makes a salient point about you know, click just clicking yeah and not reading the, but it's making a joke out of it, you know. And it's and it's got one of the best lines of you know when um, I think it's when when Salma Hayek is with her lawyer. I just absolutely loved that scene. That was such a fun one to cut. And she's screaming at him, shouting at him, and he's saying, "Will you sign this?" And he says, and then she she says, "Well, I'm I'm a talented actress. I'm a talented dyslexic actress with a questionable command of English. I can't read this." And I just you know things like that where I just I just loved those moments. You know, having having those. Interestingly enough, Charlie um, Brooker was. Slightly nervous. He said, "He said I, I read it where he said he was slightly nervous about Netflix going for this, and they did. And he was also slightly nervous about Salma Hayek. And Salma Hayek went, no, go further. Here's, just do more. Say more. Just don't hold back. And she was amazing in that respect because she was like a force of nature. As soon as she walks in on set, it's just, there's this elemental force 
that she's she has, and she just grabbed grabbed this grabbed the uh, the role two roles the two roles <laughs> the one of TV Joan horrible Joan and Salma Hayek being pissed off about what's going on really with extreme gusto you know it was great. Yeah, I, I think it's quite the tour de force sort of performance because you have that mixture of not not caring Joan and then the real Simon Hayek just just being angry and just being like it just pushing being the energy that pushes the story along and just being like no we, mm. we shouldn't take this but there's something that you've mentioned as well that you were cutting two two characters at the same two characters of the same playing but played by the same actor at the same time. And I know that there's a differentiation between them on screen and on the script, but is there a way that you change the way that you cut their scenes so that it plays out differently to present what sort of character they are on screen? Or is it a case of sort of more just allowing performances to flow and sticking to sort of more of a stricter sort of stricter rules to cutting? Well, there's no, I mean, there are rules, but there are no real rules in terms of cutting. I, I would say that you, you cut to, a, you cut to the, you put a cut in because it feels it's the right thing to do. I don't necessarily, I mean, there are things that don't work and look wrong, but so you don't use them. So with the, um, the difference is that with, with the TV, Joan, I had two things to, that made it different. One was it had to fit in a TV screen in a, a lot of the time within another, in an existing shot. So you couldn't have it too many edits because you wouldn't read it because it's a distant thing, right? Also, that it's 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 the performance in the TV Joan, the TV Sam Hayek Joan is much more heightened. She's playing a cartoon kind of version of the character, so you kind of have to stay on her to see her do the the kind of stuff she's doing. Whereas when she's in, like for instance, when she comes into Annie Murphy's house, it's a lot more natural. It's a lot more let the shot find her for her to her to give deliver that line so it feels it propels everything along whereas it's a bit more stilted in the tv zone because it's it has to be it's kind of it is a it's an artificial thing but uh, without being too overt i didn't want to draw attention to it but just it's it's to, to sort of technical and visual sort of reasons that it was it was it was different and it felt that a natural thing to do it wasn't something i was going to go oh god i just suddenly realized got to do this it's just that you know and i actually when I, I do cut a scene of the tv joan thing and then i put it in the tv and i end up then i realize actually there's too many cuts in that and i just take out one or two and then it's um it's it flows better and the information's there sometimes you know you realize also that if it's a shot with a tv in the shot the thing you think the audience will see in a one of the in one of the shots in the sequence you don't see because it's too far away then you just take it out you don't need it so that's that was kind a process of evolution and of the scene of the editing of the scene, and then my instinctive reaction to what was being shot. So it's it's never that there's a sort of strict replication. It's for me personally, I see myself as a, as an editor, as an interpreter of shots of of a scene. So to create, so I cut put the shots together, cut them together, edit them, edit them together in a way that serves the story tells a story best that gets the best value emotionally and in terms of this in terms of Joan is awful for instance the the comedy as well as the feeling that it's a real world you're fooling everybody that's watching it to go invest in it you don't think about because if you think about editing it's an artificial thing like you're cutting from one angle to another angle to another angle but it's meant to, it's all meant to feel like it's a re- the, all the same moment so that's the the magic of editing and that it's um you create this you're telling you're telling a story using this technique 
that people got used to watching and and it becomes so you're you're uh, doing something that's a bit artificial that then feels natural and that's that's the key and that's why for me a lot of my 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 feeling about editing is that it's it's about instinct and gut feeling and your own intuition rather than as well as you know technical skill but rather than following rules based this is you do this and you do that I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be much good at doing editing seminars, I think, because I wouldn't be saying, oh, no, I never do this and I never do that and I never do the other in terms of editing because you never know because <laughs> you will. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's what what's in front of you is what what you're looking at is the what drives it for me, at least. There is a question that I want to sort of follow up about intuition and knowing when to cut. But it's something I want to sort of ask about as well because you mentioned a lot about the tv screens appearing uh, during mm. episodes and i'm sure there is a sort of art to when you need to cut away from what's being presented on the screen and showing more to what should we say uh, level level two joan is seeing so the uh, the annie murphy joan with is because you have things being projected on the tv screens is there is those image are those images added in post when they're being played out? So if there is two characters sort of a mid shot of them with the TV in the background with the episode being played, is it just a green screen there, or is it something yep. that's being yeah yeah yep. okay. yeah they had to act towards it, which kind of they had to act like what was there, and which made made it challenging because they were the sometimes the I mean the, sometimes the actors the timing the beats they had in their performance was too quick. But they could. I mean, it's not their fault. It's not anybody's fault. They were looking at a green, at a green, a TV with a green screen. So because T, uh, TV Joan, Salma Hayek Joan had not been filmed yet. So I had to work around what the actors were doing to 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 have a blank screen. And it was it was slightly tricky because there was a sort of a, a tendency to do too much. But again, not not blaming and not saying it's you know it's completely natural. But you're kind of filling in. The actors were filling in a bit more than they they did, but then they didn't know what was going on. So that was that was an that was an interesting challenge. But again, it was fair, I knew that was going to happen, and you 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 just do it, you work around it. And it it was uh, I mean, it's a bit like if I may mention another episode I worked on a metalhead. That was entirely all that dog, the dog, the robot dog was CGI, and I had to cut that without the dog in it. And so that's I'm kind of used to that editing setup where you're cutting an empty frames with um, and something goes in later and it was a bit more straightforward than joan and often because i knew at some point i'd be putting in the the um the back the tv so i'd have then have be able to balance the two two elements which worked very well i think it's quite fascinating to hear how you know, the fact that the actors are reacting to a green screen tv but they'll still have to pace themselves like they're that like they're watching the show live, but then also as an editor, knowing when to cut away from the TV so that you, they don't need to see it. But then also having both scenes sort of played out and then sort of trying to create the pace and make sure that it flows. And you also, you made that interesting point as well, having where you're editing about where cutting so it makes it look natural, especially with yeah. how early on Annie Murphy's Joan uh, reacts to it all and how, it feels very frantic. Uh, her behavior is very frantic just because everybody can see this and it's being built up and built up. And the fact that it also seems very seamless that when one scene plays out, it cuts to co-workers and 
how what their reaction is to what's appearing on screen but then also playing out her relationship as well because she's kissed another man uh, her ex-boyfriend yeah yeah but i think it's obviously you would go lose your shit if it was you i mean and that's that's um and it's it, it's the dawning the base the, the pace of the the the, the stats those they're upsetting the whole thing up basically there's two things being set up at the beginning first is joan's world she gets up, brushes her teeth, makes breakfast, gets eats, bre- eats breakfast, goes to work, has the thing, has to fire somebody, then goes back home, and then they watch it, and then she realizes, fuck, that's my day. So that's that first bit. Then it's the dawn, then it's the actual watching the TV, uh, Joan's awful. The part, then the arc of that is her dawning realization, like her just going, hang on a minute, and kind of being amused. And what is this? An intrigue? And then gradually getting realizing it the penny finally drops then she loses her shit and chris is going hang on a minute because she knows what's coming because she knows what's coming up she realizes hang on this is about me i'm dealing with this oh fuck dennis i know what's coming up and then what's the other the other co-workers eric and the other people sandy whatever are doing is kind of undermining her situation by being i'm taking it as oh yeah like not even questioning it why it should be happening which is a comment on people's kind of maybe just like ability to just absorb stuff and gullibility. But then it's, and then she's back to the horror of her situation, which is that Chris is going to find out about Mac. She saw Mac and she's going to say, he's cooking, he's bland. And uh, that's kind of, he's like, huh? You know, that's all that, all that sort of, um, so that had to, you know, that's the sort of building blocks to get to that point. And so it's, it's, it, it is a number of plates that are being spun. And so, I mean, the, the you know, it was in the script. It's following generally following the script, and it's, but it's also it's, it's the editing is to make sure that all those beats land, but it's not confusing and people don't you don't lose people and you kind of go you want to you know you draw people in and they feel they're getting the information, but it's still coming at you quite in a quite relentless way. But it's it everything lands. I mean, that's the idea, and that's what I think what people have responded to. So, and that was I mean, it was great fun to do. I mean, I loved it. Some great lines, especially Eric. And the bit where he goes like, and then you see Joan, TV Joan, watching Joan is Awful. It's Kate Blanchett. Is that Kate Blanchett? Oh, my God. I love Kate Blanchett. And they're like, they're, they're kind of, you know. So it's just, that's sort of, that's the first sort of kind of peak that everything's building to. Uh, and then, of course, she's in and she gets fired because she's and technically broken her NDA. And it gets, it goes just spirals out of control. He's left. And then you see it being re it's 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 um it was fun, fantastic. And but it was you had to make sure all those beats had to land to get to keep the comprehension going. Uh, as well with with those beats you can see like just how every scene is sort of playing out repeating, but feeling that gets bigger and bigger. So like the for example, like the Kate Blanchett reaction, which I'm curious to know if they they did record anything with Kate Blanchett to uh, no. re- reacting to how Salma Hayek's performance is like. Well, I don't have, couldn't have afforded her. I mean, they, they obviously licensed her image, and it was part that she understood it. But it was um, it was um, it was uh, that's sort of, that's a gag rather than it was, it, this is not a reality. I think you'd be if you'd done that, it, the, the show would have kind of probably started losing people because it would just go out of control. <laughs> Yeah, it'd just like it'd be non-stop, <laughs> yeah. non-stop of like. How it would just be just. Be, it would just be like, yeah, yeah. But then we just, yeah, we just. There's enough to go to have just a two-hander. I mean, I think it makes sense. Uh, Annie Murphy and Salma Hayek, and then, but then is the head-wrecking. Then discovery later 
to Annie Murphy's a digital likeness. That's the kicker. Now, obviously, anybody listening to this, that's a spoiler alert, I should have said. But um, anybody that's listening to this, maybe, hopefully they will have watched the show first. But it's um, it's that whole thing then. It's like, uh-huh. I'm playing, you know, I'm, you know, so... That's the sort of it had to be sort of set up for that. So if it went further down the line earlier, I think you would have it would have just completely messed up that that sort of the thrust of the the episode, which is basically the next sort of part of it is when how the Annie Murphy character engineers that Salma Hayek flushes her out, so to speak, if you forgive the pun, and then they join forces and becomes a kind of more straightforward linear thing to try and get into this this place and destroy the destroy the uh, source of their misery because you brought up as well the twist of like finding out that annie murphy's actually an actor as well and not the real joan when you're building up to that whole scene and the whole sort of them breaking into netflix as it feels like it's kind of turned from a comedy to a bit more of a heist film of them like this is what we need to do this is our goal let's go for it and then we in that sort of in that whole sequence we do meet michael Sarah's character who who adds in a lot more comedy as well, the way that he tries to explain the situation and the way that he's just like, well, I'm, I'm not actually Michael Sarah. I'm just the licensed image of Michael Sarah. And yeah. kind of, I, I don't know, I think it just adds like a nice little cherry on top to the whole situation. But when you're building up to a scene like that and building up to a reveal, is there a way that you might change how the scenes are edited in terms of going from the more sort of lightheartedness of it all, then going to that more serious way and sort of having that expedition dump on audience members for them to sort of take in about what's happening. Uh, yeah, but it's funny. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I mean, I there was never, it was kind of a response to the, the essence of the scene that is, is how it's cut. And it's also, it's how it's blocked out. So you have to, for instance, Annie Murphy standing beside Mike, beside Michael Sarah, and then you've got this bank of screens. You have to see what he's referring to. You have to see her confusion. You have to hear his explanation. You have to see what Salma Hayek's doing in the background. So you have to explain all that. So there are the plates. It's basically, I mean, you know, it's like juggling plates. Basically, you just keep them spinning, and you don't, it, none of them fall. And you get across, you get across the 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 what what you need, what the audience needs to know in a way that feels like it's uh, it's not. It's not spoon feeding, but it's also not it's not being too quick or too kind of too um, jumping around the place that it's uh, it gives you've got time to see, but also it feels breathless. And also then I'm responding to Michael Sarah's performance. I'm responding to how he speaks. And I was and I was also looking at finding looking at Annie Murphy's reactions, saying what's the best one for here? Is it going to the one where she goes, what? Or is it what? What's the better? What's the better thing? And then it's like where she's. So we went. I think we went for more. The more like she's just like, I am shitting myself. I'm terrified. Uh, for instance, to sort of as against her indignation, uh, which you know, which you might have done on a couple of early takes or some of the takes. I don't know. It's um that so that she's. It's this dawning again. It's another level of horror that she's she has to contend with. That I'm I'm not real. And and my, and the thing is like Michael Sarah is just he's kind of a nerd. He's matter of fact. He's got he's he's running all this, and he's explaining. I mean, it's really stupid if you think about it. I mean, it's a little utterly absurd plot, but it's fun. And he's like he's there, and that's and the bit where he's, he's the, you know I loved his two parts where I really really enjoyed that was Salma Hayek kind of looking, being like what, and then he says, um, 
He's saying like Selma, Selma Hayek. You're not Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek is 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 at a beach or in in Switzerland somewhere. Switzerland, and uh, you know, like there's that inter interaction. It's kind of it's it has an element of which I mean I'm a very big fan of. Uh, you know, 1930s, 1940s American screwball comedies, where there's rapid fire dialogue and there's kind of stuff going on. All so there was that that element I enjoyed working with, but also um, there's this, there's two elements where the two of them go, "What?" It's kind of pulling the rug on out from the the seriousness of the scene, if there was ever anything in there, you know, because he's trying to explain. And then when Annie uh, Murphy punches him out and Sam goes, oh, thank God, he was so boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just great. It's just like it's kind of going, well, actually, we're not going to we're going to explain this to you, but we don't take it seriously. And then she goes and smashes the smashes the computer. Another spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. It's okay. Oh, there's, a spoiler, there's a spoiler warning beforehand, so we're all good. We can spoil as much as we want. But... Biggest load of spoilers in the podcast ever. <laughs> anyway. Everybody's going to be coming for us now. Mm. I, I think what's fascinating to hear as well is like the different styles of revealing that sounds like they've been shot in terms of going for more of like a serious like what and then being going for that screwball comedy of what um as well and i guess as an editor as well like there's a fine line of what you want to use and what's going to be best for the scene to flow which i i can also if i may if, if i may interrupt what also feels real what feels truthful in the character as well so but sorry for interrupting there but it's that's no, the no, part it's... of the part of the no, no, no. It's it's, it's interesting. I, I'm I'm happy for you to interrupt um to sort of uh, <laughs> uh, cut in with to correct me or or to give more insight to what I'm saying. But what's as you're saying as well, it's like what's true when you're bringing in that. It's like what's truthful to the character, but I guess what's also truthful to the uh, show and episode. And I think that's also a sign of like as an editor, it must be quite difficult that even if that something's not 100% true, but the performance is still good, it must be like quite difficult to be able to sort of cut that out and replace it to what's right, even though there could be something that with both versions work, but you don't know. Sometimes I guess that comes down to the intu your intuition of what is correct and what's not. I, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's experience helps because when I was a lot younger, I used to be, I was used to be like, you know, Homer Simpson, don't make me choose. Be going, oh no, that's good, but that's good, that's good. You know, be like a headless chicken, you know? So, I mean, experience has kind of been helpful so I can be a bit more, a bit less like a headless chicken and more like a head chicken with a head. Be able to sort of go use my, you know, use my, the little voice that says, watch something again and again, see the options and then just go, yeah, intuitive, my intuition, my gut, but the little voices stop saying it's wrong. That's the right one. And um, so, and I'd some, I mean, I would leave something there for a while in a scene that I'm not quite 100% about because I just wanted to let it live, live there, live there, live there, and then see, okay, now I need to change it, but I know what to change it to. So I have to say, I mean, I'm very pleased to say that as I've got more experience, I think these sort of things, those sort of situations have got a bit easier, even though they're more difficult storytelling things. But I, I just think it's, that's the benefit of experience is being able to just be more relaxed and not get, not fret about the choices. It's great to have the choices. It's brilliant to have the choices because if you've no choice and it's shit, you're fucked. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It's just the sort of the realization of something like that would happen. But I guess like that's what I always find quite fascinating to hear in terms of just like as an editor being like, oh yeah, don't make me choose. But at the same time, there must be some, you know, there's certain gems that you probably see as performances that you do have to sort of get out and just be like, no, 
we have to make sure that this is correct and that it flows what's right for the scene and not right for sort of like my show reel and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, you if 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 a rea- if you've got a really good performance of a line, but then you've got a reaction shot that that goes over that, that's brilliant. You go for the what the the reaction shot. It's an embarrassment of riches, and it, you choose what's absolutely best for the the story for the scene rather than, as you say, for your own ego. Ego as an editor, you're you you're serving the story, as I said earlier. Yeah, exactly, and it's important to make sure that. The story is always going to come first and and make sure that the whole episode flows. Just out of curiosity, what was your favourite scene to cut? The Salman, our lawyer, and the aforementioned scene with Bepe and Annie and Salma in the computer room, control room. I mean, they were all great. I mean, I really enjoyed I mean, some of, some of the scenes are a bit, you know, they're more um, straightforward, storytelling, building the blocks, nothing, nothing. But yeah, they were definitely the, the ones that I got, the I think, the most enjoyment out of. And and it's just, you know, it's just this sort of whole, yeah, I just, and it's, it, it's to do with, I was just really enjoying the Salma Hayek and our lawyer scene. I was just enjoying, I'm actually in cutting a scene with Al Salma Hayek, shouting abuse at a hopeless lawyer. It's fantastic. And the end line, you know, it's like, shove it up your ass and I hope you get a paper cut in your hammeroids and die. That's, you know, it's just like she stomps out. And it's like, I was like, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> I could retire now almost, but I'm not. Don't worry. So, and I enjoyed the, um, I enjoyed the sort of the, the push and the, the, all the various different elements of the um, computer room scene. Because that was a crucial one. And I think also like the smashing of the, the computer was fun because it's all visual effects and prep doing a cut to prepare for visual effects and to get across, to make it sort of feel natural, rhythmically cor- correct, but also that, you know, leaving space for the, for the, for the effects to be done. So yeah, so those, those two. The shitting in the church scene was good too. I, <laughs> Uh, I could kick, I could tick that off my edit bucket list. Okay, so I've I've done a woman defecating in a church scene. Like, let's take that off the list. Yeah, that's a scene that I completely forgot because it is, as an audience member, when you're watching it, you think, what is what is going on? What's Annie Murphy up to? And then, yeah, walk into oh, the church. Shit. Yeah, literally. And um, <laughs> and it's just like, wow, I can't believe that in my 30s I'm still laughing at, like, poo jokes and defecation. And then also the fact this... that somebody's wedding is like probably be my, one of my worst nightmares. Well, see, they've ruined it for that, that unfortunate couple. Like, if you, and it's, of course, it's, I think it's one shot, there was one where the, the, the bride goes, you've ruined my wedding! I, I, had, I, had, I had a load of fart noises and shitting noises in there, but I took them out because I was told to, I was a bit too gross. I mean... Yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess there's always like a fine line with it, right? In terms of... Fine line. Are you kidding me? It's a woman shitting in a church. It's a woman not just shitting in a church, but just, yeah, you know what I mean? Well, in terms anyway, of let's like not OTT, dwell on, OTT on sound. OTT. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it was, it was just an early draft, so it was fine. I knew it, it wouldn't. Anyway, I'm revealing too much of my basic coarse sense of humor here. So um, the classic, for me, the classic scenes in cinema is the uh, Blazing Saddles, the guys sitting around the, the, the campfire eating beans scene. It's just where they all, they're all just leaning over and farting. That to me is, that's pure cinema. Pure I class. Know. Were they like more beans, Mr. Taggart? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're blokes. We laugh at that shit, sort of oh, thing, no. so to speak. Anyway, anyway, so um, that was, that was, that was fun. 
so yeah, well, there's loads of great. I really, really enjoyed the process. So it's it wasn't when I say it's a favorite scene, it doesn't necessarily mean I I hated the rest. It was just that it's out of a whole series of brilliant scenes. I mean, I loved the. It was really fun to cut the scene where Annie Murphy's with her lawyer. That, and the, the the actress playing her lawyer, I've forgotten her name. She's fantastic. Where she says, you know, terms and conditions, and that's it. I'm sorry, you know, you signed it, you clicked it. I did. Mm-hmm. No, she's you know when you know when you're talking to your friends about no 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 shoe deodorizers shoe deodorizers. Actually, that was a really interesting thing that uh, I don't know why Charlie's picked shoe deodorizers because it's very hard to say. <laughs> the poor actor had to sort of say shoe deodorizers. You try and say it quickly. Anyway, so I enjoyed that scene. That was that was fun, especially when, like when she's you know Annie Murphy's again. She's get this her characters all the way through is just being horrified at finding out how how what's going on. Having certain words for people, for actors to pronounce and sort of say as many times as possible. It's just a good way to sort of mess around with them, see how well prepared they'll be coming onto the. It was, onto I can set. tell. I can. Uh, I'm not giving anything away. I, I can tell you it wasn't deliberate on the part of the writer. It just he <laughs> picked it. Anyway, let's move on before I get into trouble. We're going to be getting a phone call now in a minute. As soon as anybody <laughs> hears this. As soon as, anyway, um, just that of also. Um, what was your favourite scene that you didn't cut in the season? Oh, you mean the other the other four episodes? Uh, yes, correct. I cannot answer that because be. I haven't seen any of the other four episodes All right. yet. Okay, so how about I rephrase this now? What was your favourite scene that you didn't edit in the in the whole series of Black Mirror? The entire works. Okay, well, caught me there. I think. I mean, a lot of these, I've, I mean, I, I saw the National Anthem five, six, seven years ago. The first two series I'd seen when I was in Channel 4, so it's quite a long time ago. But I think my favorite scene, one that I watched, the, the White Bear, the episode where, the part where it's revealed that she's actually, it's all been put on and the woman's been put through this horrible process and it's part of her punishment. I thought it was absolutely terrific. I just thought... And then it actually the title sequence at the end when they are, were showing how they made it, they faked everything in the the faking of the fake at the end of White Bear was, was terrific. But uh, that would be, I think, and then the end, the scene at the end of um, Callister, when Jesse Playman's characters kind of dealt with was, I thought was terrific. So yeah, and trying to think, I mean, the scene, there was a bunch of scenes in Shut Up and Dance that I, terrified me. It's like, holy shit. So, I mean, I'd say if there were two episodes to be shut up and dance in White Bear, I would have gone, yeah. I was going to say they, they, they're not because, not necessarily because they, they, they're the most bleak and the most terrifying. Maybe it is, but it's just this, this, it, this, the depths of the story, that they, the, the performances and the, this, the way it's told is so compelling and, and unrelenting. And, and um, yeah. But I, I don't know if you, if you haven't seen them. I, if you haven't seen them, I would say just you have to watch them. But, you know, you need you need time to decompress after. Don't watch t- the two of them in the one night. Oh, no, don't, don't. Because, so, both very solid choices. I think White Bear, I think, as an audience member, well, with both of them, you kind of have no idea what's going on. And then when the reveal happens, you're like, wow. And then the scene that you chose in White Bear, the when they're resetting it all and showing you how an audience member, how it's sort of played out as a prison sentence is another one where you just think, wow, this is incredible. Uh, Shut Up and Dance yeah. is just like, 
just saying, again, as an audience member, you have no idea what's happening or why someone's being blackmailed. And then the reveal happens and you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I had sympathy for this character this whole time. And then it turns out they're an absolute monster. Yeah. And it's actually, I mean, it's, it's, it's it, both of those are, are kind of the, I think, the televisual equivalent of being punched in the face repeatedly. And then <laughs> you realize, you know, something, uh, whoever, anyway, anyway, so anyway, they'd be my scenes that, that I would have loved or I'm deeply envious that somebody else did it. And yeah. I, I haven't said that, if I may say this, I mean, I have had a very good innings with the Black Mirror experience, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, and long may it continue as well. Amen. Just to uh, wrap up the episode, just out curious, curiosity, like how have you found reception of the show, uh, and especially your episode? I, I've, I've been always interested in the good and the bad reactions, and I, I'm not, I'm not aver- shy or averse to those sort of things. I enjoy, in fact, I enjoy it kind of um, when something's slammed gives me a slight perverse pleasure that somebody's got worked up enough about it to, to say they hate it. Thank you. I've done. But it's, um, I, the, re- the reaction has been very positive and I think it's been really interesting because there's so much pressure on the series because of the expectations that have been built up over the years that there's, I even think, you know, I think there's, somebody should start a hashtag, trending hashtag, hashtag not my black mirror with some of the reactions because people say, like feel entitled to be able to say, oh, this is not what I want from Black Mirror. It's about, <laughs> sorry, you're an audience member. You're passive. And it, you're, it's given to you. And um, so the, but the, the reaction to has been interesting because it's kind of varied from being Jonas Oval is, sub, you know, seen as the, not the least successful or the most successful. And it's kind of equally tense. Mostly that is very, very, people have been very, very positive. I think it's, it's kind of been described as the most Black Mirror episode because the others are less tech based and are actually set in the past rather than the near future and, or the, the present or the near. And, you know, it makes sense that the stories have, have to evolve in a direction and become uh, more, become more, you know, not the same thing again and again and again, because then you get, it gets, just gets tedious. So, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing the other four episodes and I'm, I was very pleased to see that Jonah's Awful was described as episode one because it was actually the last episode that was shot. It was episode five in the running order of the shooting. And so whoopee is the first one people will watch. Brilliant. Happy days from little old me. And, but I had, I read somewhere that it was in it. They proposed that people watch them in reverse order uh, because you get to the, you get through all these sort of fairly heavy, sad, violent stories, and then the last one is a comedy, but also has lots of Easter eggs referring to what you've just the other episodes, which were built into the script, possibly because it was, I don't know was it was written last or not. I'm not sure, but I thought that was an interesting idea. So if anybody hasn't watched any, watched them, you know. To watch them in reverse order, and you know it was interesting because, it, like I said earlier, that there there is such intense. The fans are intense. It's like it's like it's like um, the psychotic uh, fan syndrome that there's. If it's not absolutely, utterly, completely, and uh, perfect, then it's it's just they're they're throwing the toys out of the pram. That's why I think again the Re- Simpsons reference, the comic book guy. Worst episode ever. That sort of level of kind of entitlement about how valid their opinion is. I actually read, I, I, I saw an interesting comment on Instagram where somebody said, 
oh, isn't it terrible that they're making all these American black mirrors? It's not as good as when there were British black mirrors and it was better sense of humor. And it's like, you know, the early stuff. So I pointed out season four, Shut Up and uh, Dance, Hang the DJ, Metalhead, season five, Striking Vipers, Bandersnatch, season six, Lock Henry and uh, Demon 79. Sorry, you're talking through your whole um and this is this is what um pe- people have have obviously their opinion but they, they, they it's quite ill-informed it said it's if this is fine maybe for a wind up by saying black mirror is a victim of its own success because it set the bar so high and it's quite extraordinary to think that most every episode was written by charlie broker two or three were co-written with somebody else but i mean it's phenomenal the range of stories that that man has produced. So give him give him a break for fuck's sake. And the more the more he does, the the less options he had there are apparently would you expect to be there? Do you know what I mean? He's not going to have another San Gen Junipero as for instance that sort of that sort of magic story. But he'll come up with something. I, I hope. <laughs> I, can, I no, think... he will. Charlie, if you're listening to this, you'll do it. You'll be great. You'll be fine. You'll knock it out of the park once more. I think what it is, is that with those, I think what the comment is about with people mentioning that there's no sort of, oh, it's, you know, it's too Americanized, is that when they have those big episodes of, what is it, uh, what you would say the sort of bigger, higher budget episodes is that they will have the big stars in it, whilst the British ones necessarily won't, or they'll have people that you might recognize um, from other shows. I agree with your point that there is, there is there is loads still being made, and I think it is just the case of people just need to watch them, enjoy them, and if you don't like it, that's fine. If you love it, that's also fine. Absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, the warm glow is extended to those who love it. Of course, that's our that'd be my bias as well. But I think as well, I mean, that that complaint I mentioned, they they're missing actually. They're kind of it's an it's an anti-American sentiment rather than a statement of reality because the British-based episodes are actually. The, the, the quality that this person accuses the show of not having, which is down-to-earth, cynical, grubby British storylines. So it's, it's anyway, it's a moot point. I just thought it was interesting. That's one thing. But generally, I am very, very, I'm thrilled with the reaction. I think it's been, I think it's been, it's kind of reset, reset itself after the slight hiccup of uh, uh, Bandersnatch and season five, which is only three episodes. And there were a bit, because Bandersnatch was such a huge, uh, behemoth that it it kind of sucked a lot of energy away in a way you know it was such a big project as you could understand that it 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 had an impact so it's this this season six is is the reset and it's um the reaction is i think it's been been absolutely terrific i think yeah and i've thoroughly enjoyed it and long may uh, black mirror continue absolutely i was going to ask you a question rob if i may Go outside ahead. of you your absolute favourite episode of season six, which we all know is Jonah's awful. Of course, that goes without question. In terms of the other ones, the other four, um, which which do you think worked, or do you enjoy them all equally? So my favourite would probably be Lock Henry. That mm. was the first one that I watched. I would put it in the top top five of episodes that have come out, uh, the top five episodes of Black Mirror ever. Sorry. Uh, maybe that's just a wow. recency okay. bias. That's a recency bias as well, because 
if you were to sort of if I were to reorder wanted to sort of list them, I'd have to sort of go back and refresh my memory and what's what episodes would be uh, in what sort of order. I just think with Lock Henry, it's uh, it's going to sound bad, but it's like it is that sort of classic Black Mirror of it tells that story you get sucked in you're in it and then a twist happens and then you're like oh my gosh and then it's also the sort yeah. of the the balance of sympathy for characters and even though somebody's a monster you still have some sort of empathy for them because they want to be a yeah. good person or good mom funny enough i think i mean i was looking at the consensus that there was quite a lot of um negative reaction to that episode funny enough i mean not saying you know i'm um you're right you're absolutely right in what you're saying and that's but it's quite interesting. And I think that's really healthy in a way that there's such um, a diverse reaction because reactions, because that's, it means it's worth, they're working as kind of, they're, they're not, it's not vanilla. It's not um, bland stuff, you know, that everybody likes. There's some, you know, that I think that's, uh, that's, that's, I'm, a, so I'm, I'm look, I'm really looking forward to seeing it based on what you said there. Yeah, I think I, I get what people's reactions are like, and uh, I understand it. But I think also it's the it's as an audience member not being like spoon fed certain things, and then sort of more letting you connect the dots to what's mm. appearing on screen. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's. I think um, I love the fact. I love the idea of the audience getting involved and asking the right questions. Asking questions, but they're they're the right questions. And get because they're engaged because they want to know and they're but they're still being still a degree of mystery and they're looking for they're looking to the to be satisfied so yeah rather than just sitting there leaning back and going yep anyway sorry I'm I'm supposed to, you're supposed okay. to be the one asking the questions not me no problem I like uh, I'm, I'm happy to end it on a question for me <laughs> Tony thank you very much for your time it's, it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure thank you again and Black Mirror season six is streaming now on Netflix. Go out and watch it. If you've already listened to the whole episode, sorry for the spoilers. And thank you again, Tony. You're welcome, Bob. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.